Bible says in Romans chapter 10. How many of you think your feet are pretty? How many of you think feet are ugly? My feet are gross. I literally could do the caveman commercial with my feet. My big toe, you could put two little dots on it and put little eyes on it, and it looks like a man with a unibrow. And literally, my big toe talks to me. But I'm preaching about feet tonight, of all things. The weirdest thing you could ever imagine is I'm speaking about. No wonder we have socks on. But do you know what God says about your feet? He says your feet are gorgeous. And I'm going to prove it to you because I was out jogging as I was out jogging. Let me read this to you in Romans chapter 10 verse 15. And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So this last Wednesday morning, I'm out jogging and I'm complaining and caring. And and I were talking on the phone as I was jogging for a second. I was just having a really bad morning. I did not want to be on the road because in the summertime, I'm on the road nonstop camps and conferences and all these different places. Next week, uh, we'll be in Alabama. Uh, This Sunday, we'll be in Decatur. Some of our team will be right here at CLC. I'll be up in Decatur speaking. And then we do the Alabama camp. Then I go to Houston Friday night. Then we go to San Francisco on Saturday, uh, or Modesto on Saturday, California, San Francisco on Sunday night. From there, we come home. I mean, it's a crazy calendar. But you know what? I've never thought about my feet. And yet, Romans, the 10th chapter says, God says, my feet are gorgeous. So next time you see me without shoes on, I want you to tell me my feet are pretty. Because it's kind of a big deal. But I'm out jogging. And all of a sudden as I'm jogging, I'm complaining to God. I said, Lord, I love you. In fact, the church I was speaking at, I love those folks. I go there all the time. And man, they have a youth ministry of hundreds. It is shaking a city. The entire church is young adults. Many of them have lost family members in drug wars. And I said, Lord, I'm honored to be here, but I don't want to be here. I want to be at home. And I'm jogging and I'm complaining. And about that time, I'm stepping down and running down a path on this road. I see this old nail. And I stop. I I text you a picture of it. And I picked up this old rusty nail that was laying on the road. And Jesus spoke to me. And he said, that nail represents the nail that I took in my feet for you. He said, Pat, my feet were nailed so that you could run. And so tonight I'm preaching about one step away. I'm preaching about what are you doing with your nail as his feet were crucified for you? What are you doing with the very nail? What are we doing? What kind of price? When you're laying in your casket, what were your feet say you did? I'm preaching about feet because there's a moment as I held that nail in my hand. He said, Pat, what are you doing with your nail? I'm preaching about the nail tonight. I'm preaching about the feet because in this room are people that are called to go somewhere. You're called to shake the nations. You're called to run. You're called to step in the lands. I'm going to preach about feet tonight because God says by the end of this service, your feet will burn. As he begins to stir a fire inside of you to go, to push 
What are you doing with your nail? What are you doing? There's a moment where you have to take a stand. Look at James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud, no to the devil. Watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. How many of you remember WWE? JD, everybody had those bracelets. What would Jesus do? And and but they don't understand. It came from an old book called In His Steps. And that book, the very name of it, came from a scripture in First Peter two twenty one. To this you were called because Jesus, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in His steps. I'm preaching to the ones in this room. That nothing feels right. I'm speaking to the ones that go to bed at night. And you're like, Lord, I know there's more for me. It's the young man I said with a flight. A flight. He's a graduate of Sanford University. We were sitting and talking today. He said, he said what's your name? I've heard of you. And he starts talking to me. He said, yeah, I was at a beach thing you did one time. I said, yeah. And we're just sharing back and forth. And he said, I was called into ministry, but now I'm doing business. And I said, man, I believe in marketplace anointing. I believe you are called wherever you're at. You don't have to stand behind the pulpit. And we're talking and we're talking about He's asking about different people that have led worship for me at different things. And, and by the time we got done, I looked at him and I said, I said, Mark, there's a moment where you have to say yes. I'm just, I'm just preaching a simple word. It, it started with just a, a stupid nail laying on the ground as I was jogging and he said don't complain my feet were bound so that your feet could go I reminded what my, my father spiritual father Pastor Bunky said to me he said I've never complained and, and, and I, I've done a lot of complaining lately laying in bed last night getting ready to get on the flight to come home and I said Lord I won't complain anymore because I get to preach the good news I get to see people's tongues loosed. And even the stories you saw a moment ago. I get to see scars disappear. Would you watch this video tonight? As I speak a simple word. Just called One Step Away. As you watch this video, I've asked my team to hand out to you some nails. For you to hold your hand. Watch this.
It was just early Wednesday morning. I, I was getting ready to speak to hundreds of people Wednesday night. We saw an outpouring. But I didn't feel very safe that morning. I didn't feel very spiritual. I didn't feel in all. It started, this whole message started with this stupid nail. And God said, Jesus said to me, I took the nail pad. Do you understand the enemy has a goal? And his goal, the devil's plan is to trip you. That's why it says in Galatians chapter 5. See, I'm talking to everybody that somewhere along the way, you used to believe God could use you. You used to believe you were that person. But maybe years caught up with you. Or maybe you come from the wrong side of the track. I love, I love, I was sharing with a good friend of mine last week in Colorado. And he's the district youth director for the Assemblies of God there. And and I, I was sharing with him. Uh, we were in Colorado and I, and I looked at him and we were we went out to shoot guns. I was a lunatic out there. I was shooting like major guns. I mean, I was just... Just like shooting at people and or not at people anyway and um but i was shooting things and it was just like we were just out in the strip mines we we're just blowing things away i'll show you the video because i just started screaming yeah it was crazy i really should never have guns in my hands I mean, we were like shooting at stuff i'm like dude you see that there's a terrorist it was fun and i have bruised arms because of and but we were just talking and i said you know we do have a problem in this generation. Because the ones that God is raising up are not what used to be raised up. The ones that God is raising up are the ones with scars. The ones that God is raising up are the ones that made mistakes. And if we say God can't use those today that have been through some tough things and even made some bad mistakes, then probably in about 10 or 15 years there won't be anybody preaching. Because God is raising up the ones that He bought, that He redeemed, the ones that shouldn't even be here, the ones that should be dead, the ones that, that have scars. Because scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. Somebody give God a praise offering. The problem is, how many stopped... When I drive past homeless people in cities, I wonder, I wonder if they're anointed. I wonder if they stopped halfway. I'm reminded of meeting a lady in Miami and, and under a bridge years ago. And she said, I used to sing in my church. I had the best voice. She said, I don't anymore because of the crack I smoke. But I wonder. She said, I used to have the greatest voice, but, but the world won. Look what Galatians 5, 7 says. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who kept you from obeying the truth? It goes on to say, that kind of persuasion is not from God. And some of you are tripping over what God has already conquered. Most people don't fall suddenly. They slip away. Somewhere along the way, they lose their enamorment for the anointing of God, for the presence of God. They, and, and, and they get to that place where they settle for yesterday's victory and never achieve, achieve today's authority. I am so tired. We create sorrow moments instead of when we should be list, living in the testimonies of overcoming. Look at Proverbs 28, 19. People who live their life chasing fantasies will have their fill of poverty. There's a moment where you begin to change. He kept saying to me, I started jogging. I said, all right, Lord, talk to me why did you show me that nail and i had my phone out while i was jogging i'm just writing little notes he said because there's going to be people there friday night at experience this somewhere along the way just one step away 
but they allowed the enemy to take the anointing. Look at First Peter 5, 8 through 11. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil's poised to pounce. Would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only one plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before the generous God who has great plans for us in Christ. Eternal and glorious plans they are. We'll have you put together and back on your feet. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. There's an attack on a generation. The reason why we launched the Forerunner School is because there's an attack on a generation of college, of, of university students where humanism is invading and coexist spirit is invading and the world is telling them that Christianity is stupid and they're going off and they're learning that, that, that Darwin came up with evolution 155 years ago and if evolution was real, I would be a whole lot taller and a whole lot better at basketball. And so what you got to understand is just a lie. But look what it says in Second Peter 3.17, but you friends are well on. Be on guard lest you lose your footing. One step away. And you get swept off your feet by these lawless and loose talking teachers. Grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory to the Master now and forever. God wants you to chase Him. There's a moment where you start getting to the place where you run from what the world is offering you. I'll never forget our president in college uh, when I was at, at Southeastern. His name was President Hennessy. And he preached this one sermon. It's one of the only ones I really remember because I, I, I slept a lot in college. It was, it was fun. The beach wasn't far away either. And, but I remember him preaching this chapel service. And he says, God woke me up this morning to preach this word. And he starts preaching this message, and he keeps saying, keeps saying over and over in this sermon, Run! 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 And six weeks later, when my roommate came into the apartment, and he said, Man, i, I got to leave school. My, my girlfriend's pregnant, and we're going to get married. They're not married anymore. But he looks at me, and he says, Pat, I forgot how to run. Psalms 25 verse 15 says, if I keep my eyes on God, I won't trip over my own feet. I'm preaching about one step away, a simple word, simple word for you, because you've got to understand we have a generation that quit running. We have a generation that's lying and not running. We have a generation that's lying in dirty beds. It's Jeremiah 325. And God is saying, I'm looking for somebody that'll get out of bed. It says, look what it says. We made our bed and now lie in it, all tangled up in the dirty sheets of dishonor, all because we sinned against our God, we and our, and, and our fathers and our mothers from the time we took our first steps said our first words we've been rebels disobeying the very voice of god i'm preaching about one step away it was just a simple word whereas i was jogging and holding that nail god said pat what are you going to do with the nail stumbling around look what it says in proverbs chapter 5 i'm just giving you word tonight mark well that god doesn't miss a move you make he's aware of every step you take the shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is a resort of reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions, they're going to trap you in the dead end. 
There are people in this room that God told me to tell that tonight you're one step away. You're either going to step into the anointing that he has for your life or you're going to step into everybody else's desires for you because everybody's always got ideas about what you should do. But when the mantle of God hits you, you go ahead and run from it because Romans 11:29 says God's gifts and God's call are irrevocable. He never lets go of you. He'll drive you crazy. The most miserable people I've ever met are the ones that ignored the call of God. And in this room, there are people that he's saying you're one step away. What direction are you going to step into? Is the world pulling you so strong? Is the love of the world greater than the dripping of the blood off the cross? And somewhere along the way, you started stumbling and not running. You know, there's some feet that God actually hates. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 6. Here are six things God hates. One more than he, that He loathes with a passion. Eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands and murder, that murder the innocent. A heart that hatches evil plots. You know, I was praying the other day and I, I so hate abortion. I can't really go into it right here, but... That's why I believe so strong in adoption. Some of you heard me tell the story of last summer driving down the freeway in Houston. Karen was going to speak at a purity conference there, and I was speaking the next day. And, and we're driving down the freeway, and we had just got off the plane, and, and Abby's asleep in the back seat. And, and all of a sudden, I hear this baby crying, and I, I think, I think, I, I, I hear, I, I think, well, maybe it's a doll. I look in the back seat. It's in a rental car, and Abby's back there asleep. I'm like, do you hear that, Karen? I said, I hear a baby screaming. I glanced over and there was the largest Planned Parenthood building in the world in Mexico. That, that uh, the Mexicans come in and they come in from across the border and it's the largest abortion clinic. And I began to hear babies screaming as I got closer and closer on Highway 45 there in Houston. And I began to weep. And I was praying the other day and he, God said to me, Pat, he said, you know why I hate abortion so bad? Because for some reason, some perverted doctor thinks he has the right to interrupt my conversation with a baby. And look what it says God hates. Hands that murder the innocent. Listen, I'm telling you, every civilization within a generation that destroys their children, that civilization does not last. We, for 40 years, in America, with Roe versus Wade, have destroyed a generation. One generation has now been passed through. 40 years. And you better watch out for our nation. That's why God says have an experience conference. That's why God says raise up the preachers in the street. Because very soon there's going to be a valiant army that will walk out in the street corners. Stand in the middle of malls. Because their feet are beautiful. Somebody look down at your feet and say I got pretty feet. I got happy feet. Because there's a moment where you begin to understand. That I may not feel they're very pretty. I think my toes are kind of nasty. <laughs> my baby toe looks like a little rat. And. Can't even see the nail. It's not even there half the time until it cuts a hole in a sock. I got hair coming out of my feet. It's the weirdest thing. I look at them when I'm laying in bed and going, oh, they're ugly. But when I walk into heaven, and I walk to the the verse, I'm sorry. A tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil, plots feet that race down a wicked track. 
One of the things God hates. I didn't know this. I didn't know it until I studied. One of the very things. It says he hates six things. He loathes seven. One of the things God hates is feet that don't belong to him. Feet that run into the distance of sin. Feet that go into the wicked path. Look what it says. It says it right there in his word. A wicked track. A mouth that lies under oath and a troublemaker in the family. God says one of the very things. He could have chose so many things. I hate terrorists or I hate hate this. I hate hate gluttony or I thank God he didn't put that in. I, I, I hate people that eat steaks. I hate. No. I hate church splits. Didn't put that. I hate drug dealers. Nope. I hate prostitutes. You know. No. He said, I hate feet that don't belong to me. He said, I hate feet that don't run after me. I'm preaching about feet tonight. Weirdest sermon I've ever preached in my life. In fact, I even brought a giant foot with me. My team put this foot together today for me. And, and they, you like my feet? There's my foot. It's pretty. And so you'll, you'll understand the foot in just a second because here's the problem. Some of you keep, keep, quit. You need to quit tripping everyone up. Look what it says in Hebrews. Some of you are stopping others from running into their destiny. It says, so don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long distant runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. God says, clean the path. Declare the path. Declare forerunners. You know what a forerunner is? One that runs into the battle to tell the army where the enemy is. That's why we named it. On the weekend of 9-11, God said, change your school from Gideon's army to forerunner's school. He said, raise up the ones that will run. Raise up the ones that will say, shoot me first. And there's a moment where you have to run back to God. It's Psalm 70. Psalm 7. It says, God, God, I'm running to you for my dear life. Have you ever... When Abby was really little, and this is my little sweetheart down here, and she, she, she gets whatever she wants, and because she's promised me she'll never date. But it's so funny because sometimes in the middle of the night, if she gets frightened, we hear it upstairs. We hear. She gets out of bed. It's like Karen has radar. And all of a sudden you hear, and right behind her our little dog, and it usually falls because it's blind and it rolls halfway down the stairs and then it breaks and then it just blows its breath in anger. And then Abby will take off running into our room and suddenly she's standing there. We know. We all heard it. The dog died halfway down the stairs. Thank God she has asthma. She can go without breath for a moment and it comes back. Look, 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 look. I want you to understand. You've got to run back to God. Look what it says. God, God, I'm running to you for dear life. The chase is wild. If they catch me, I'm finished. Ripped to shreds by foes. Fierce as lions. Dragged into the forest and left unlooked for. Unremembered. God says, if you'll run back to me tonight, I'm calling people back to me. They want to know what it's like to get woke up in the morning with the fragrance of God all over you. They want to know what it's like to go to bed at night like I do, hearing the screams of the lost in the other nations. God says... 
If you'll run back to me, I'll raise you up. It's Psalms 22, 27. He says, I'm even bringing families back together. We saw last night an entire family give their heart to God. The lady comes up with her baby on her arm, Hispanic lady, and she's got tears rolling down her face saying, my mama, my family just got saved tonight. That's what it's about. It's an awakening in the home. You know why we go to CLC? You know why we're putting our school here? Not just because they're great people and Pastor Jeremy always pays for lunch. Which I really need you to do that. But because it's about families. That's why we moved our school to ministry here. We're supposed to move to Dallas. God said no. And I had a dream of a thousand students wandering this hill out here praising God during the day. This thing's going to explode. Welcome to Experience Conference where it's not about talking about it. It's not about saying, look what they're doing. It's about experiencing this thing. I want to get to heaven and I don't want my lifestyle to change at all. I want to get to heaven having nothing to apologize for because I can walk up to them and say, these feet led me where you called me and I did everything you, somebody give God a praise from the four corners of the earth people are coming to their senses they're running back to god long lost families are falling on their faces before him god has taken charge from now on he has the last word it's first timothy six i'm just giving you word tonight this is what he told me to do but you timothy man of god run for your life from all this pursue a righteous life Paul got running. Three years ago, the Lord says to me, I want you to start jogging every morning. I'm like, why? I've never done that. I like to lift weights because I feel strong. I stand in the mirror and I go, it's fun to do that. Start running. Why? Because you're going to die if you don't. If you'll run and worship me for an hour every morning, I'll talk to you. And then it changed everything. We started having the same dreams prophetically. Do y'all believe in the prophetic here? He said, if you'll run after me, I've not called you to be stagnant. I was in Venezuela last year doing it somewhere. Yes. Doing a national youth convention. And I'm jogging. And the missionary pulls up. He says, get in the car. I said, why? He said, because you're running on a, on a, I think it's MS-13 gang street. They're going to kill you. He said, I told you not to leave the hotel. I said, dude, I got to run. He said, you also have to die. But when I'm jogging, in the spirit, in my prayer life, this is what God told me to preach tonight. It just started with just a What are you doing with your nail pads? How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. Look, but you, Timothy, run! 
pursue a righteous life, a life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, courtesy. Run hard, fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. He said, Timothy, don't lose your anointing. Run. Run into this thing. He says, I'll rescue it. Psalms 56, verse 12. God, you did everything you promised, and I'm thanking you with all my heart. You pulled me from the brink of death, my feet from the cliff, edge of doom. Now I stroll at leisure with God in the sunlit fields of life. What do you mean? It's Psalm 71. I run for dear life. I run. It's Isaiah 40, 31. He says, you'll run and not grow weary. Are you getting this? God says, I want to know tonight. If you'll give me your feet, I'll lead your life. If you give me where you're going to walk from this point on, if you'll step into an anointing, if you'll begin to understand. What story will your feet tell? I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed at all the funerals I do. They always leave the the feet covered up. They shut the thing. A good friend of mine died a couple years ago. I was there when he died. He had a heart attack. I tried to bring him back to life. I stood there as the ambulance worked on him. This man ran the VA hospital for Birmingham. Brilliant mind, a doctor. His wife is the head of the special ed of the Board of Education of Jefferson County. The day before, he had just bought our family a trip to Disney World. He said, Pastor, I just want to bless you. So that three days later, I preached his funeral with a pair of his shoes. What story will your feet tell? When I die, I don't want the end of my casket closed up. Cover the top. Look at where these feet have been. Well, you're not getting this. It's Ephesians 6. And having shod your feet in preparation, it says your feet should be fitted every day with something called preparation. To face the enemy with firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news. I want to put on readiness. I haven't been like I even text you about something a few days ago. about Mark Buntain, the great missionary that would carry kids through sewage up to his knees until eventually it killed him to get them from Calcutta, India to a meal. He had 25,000 a day. I think about the man, the missionary that his denomination said he was too old to be on the mission field, but God told him he wasn't done. So he went through the wintry woods one night in Germany got lost and knocked on the door of a little house. And a seven-year-old boy answered the door. He said, I'm lost. I'm a missionary. Can I spend the night? And an old man, an old grandfather came to the door and said, come on in. 
That missionary led that man to the Lord because he got lost in the woods. But the little boy that answered the door, his name was Reinhard Bonnke. No one had ever been saved. I'd love to hold that missionary shoes and say, do you know what you did? I've got a pair of boots in my closet at home from a friend of mine. But as he drove through the oil fields of Iraq as they were on fire in the first war, he's a pastor in Dothan. Stacy Turney told me one day, he said, as I sat in that tank and the whole world was on fire. He said, I want to give you this place. What will your feet say? These feet? I'd love to hold Billy Graham's shoes. See, shoes represent where you've been. The dirt on them represent where you've been. You've come home. See, it was one man's feet that carried my cross. I just got to ask you, I'm about to get ready to close. What are you doing with your nail? That's what he said to me. Are you serious? It's 4th of July. Give me a rib. Give me a sparkler. I don't want to preach. It's the only place in America that's having church, and they'll pack it out on 4th of July. And I'm there. I'd already complained to Karen all morning that night. And all he said was, Pat, you done with your nail? These feet have stood on the mountains of Colorado, the hills of Venezuela, the barrios of El Salvador, the Gold Coast of Australia, the rocky beaches of Singapore, the landscape of the Great Wall of China. The stages of America from California to Tennessee to New York to Alaska to But the reason why we're having this conference is I need some more feet. I need somebody else to quit running into the world and start running into the battle and start running into what God... These, these feet have even fallen off a lava rock in Hawaii. Remember that, Karen? Let me tell you all about this real quick. Karen and I went to Hawaii, and I spoke there. But we spent about 10 days of just love. Sorry. And so we decided to go to the north point of Maui, where the, where the surfers are. And it's those big black lava rocks where the waves are splashing up. It's like something you see in a picture. And Karen says to me, Pat, go stand on the rock. Climb out there. I want to take a picture of the water hitting you. Okay. Tightening my calves, my glutes, walking like Adam does. And um, I don't even know where that came from, Adam, so I don't see you. Hey, I'm Adam. And, uh, and so I'm standing out there. I'm standing out there on this rock. True story. And I'm like... up on this cliff and she's supposed to be taking a picture of me but true to life all of a sudden this wave from hell came up 
I mean, I got my cell phone in my pocket, everything, and all of a sudden this wave comes up and sucks me into the depths of the ocean. I almost died. It really did pull me down under. I'm like, and I'm hanging on lava rocks, and I'm getting all bloody and scratched up. And and finally, I I went walking around. I'm like, I I know she's called Mitch from Baywatch to come get me. He's going to be running with his breast hopping. And, and... And all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I, I'm like, I know the Coast Guard. They're going to be like jumping in the water and pulling me out. So finally, I climb this cliff, and I'm bleeding all over. True story. And I go up there, and I'm like, where's Karen at? And says, I walk around the corner, and she's on the cliff, and she's looking at the camera. She goes, where have you been? It's a true story. I, I died. I died. I was... And I go, Karen, I'm bleeding. She goes, yeah, but go back out there. I need to get this picture. So we have a picture at our house of me standing there like this. Anyway, I don't know why I told you that story, but it was fun. You know what I hope my feet say to me someday? I hope they say he stayed at the feet of Jesus. Psalms 27, I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study his I hope my feet say not that you preached all over the world. Or, but I hope my feet say he was a worshiper. Psalms 100, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourself in his presence. I love that. Sing yourself. It means tell yourself. Get in his presence. Or, or Psalms 131. Uh, uh, I want my feet to say I stayed at his feet. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. Oh, I love that. that there's, you get in his presence and you're content. I, I hope my feet say I stayed the course. It's Psalms 119. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow His direction, doing your best to find Him. I hope my feet say I finished strong in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now I'm about to get done because see what you don't understand, Jesus still has a towel and a basin. Remember in John chapter 13, He's about to be crucified and the Bible says, the evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to portray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer towel, and began to wash their feet. Peter tried to stop him and said, Oh, no, Lord, and you, you, you can't do that. You can't, you can't wash my feet. And, and, and Jesus said, You don't understand. If I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. I'm trying to teach you what to do to others. And then Peter, being a goofy fellow, he goes, Well, wash all of me then. Here you go. And, and and Jesus says, no, anyone who's had a bath doesn't need their whole body washed. You just need your feet washed. In other words, why in the world did Jesus wash their feet? Because he knew that they walked on roads made of dung. And so in other words, he was washing off where they had been because he knew they were anointed for another level. And until you let God wash your feet of your past, you'll never step into a new direction. He knew that a hundred or excuse me, a million would die within the first hundred years of him going to the cross. He he knew every one of the disciples except John would lay their life down. So he was washing their feet. He was saying, if I serve you, I'm showing you that I believe where you're going.
Why do you think the first miracle in the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost was Acts chapter 3 when Peter walks up and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. And a man who had been wounded in his feet because we have an anointing to get people up off where they've been laying. We have an anointing to pull people up. It's Romans 10. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. I'm done. But maybe you don't realize. Jesus was tripped for you and I. I didn't quite get it. A nail? You're going to use a stupid old rusty nasty nail laying on the side of a sidewalk to get my attention today? To make me quit complaining? You're going to make me pick a nail up, God? Because he talks to me. He gives me sermons when I'm running. And, he's, and, and I'm like, a stupid nail? Why, why a nail? And he's... Don't you realize that I got tripped for you so you could run? It was prophesied when man fell. Genesis 3.15. And I'll put in between you and you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And by the way, God said, Snake, he's going to crush your head, but you're going to strike his heel. It was prophesied that Jesus would be tripped up for me. It's Psalms 22. Same scripture, he says, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? It's a prophetic word. But then he says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Jesus said to me that day, Pat, what are you doing with the nail? My feet were pierced for you. What are you doing? Maybe the devil should have read the genealogy of God, of Jesus. Remember Genesis 5? It, it lists the descendants of Adam, starting with Adam, and it says Adam, Seth, and then he had Enosh, then Canaan, then Mahalel, or Mahalo, and then Jared, and Enid, and Methuselah, and Lamech, and Noah. And I began to look at this, and I thought, maybe the devil should have realized who he was messing with, because if you just look at the very names, starting with Adam, going down for ten generations, you take what their names mean. Their names literally mean man-appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. In other words, why didn't the devil just... Just read Genesis 5. Maybe he wouldn't have messed with him. Because literally, at the fall of man, God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to name the next ten generations, start, well, starting with Adam, the next nine generations after Adam. I'm going to put all their names together so I can go ahead and prophesy at the beginning of the fall of man what's coming. There's a man appointed, moral sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort. Somebody give God a praise offering. But he let the devil trip him. Why? He scourged him. And then he nailed his hands. between the bones so that gravity held him to the cross. Maybe as the disciples looked at him, 
maybe they would think about where they're going to walk. Can you see the disciples as he hung there? My sin held him there. My feet, my sin tripped him. Luke 24, he says, you remember when he walks in the upper room and, and all of a sudden the disciples says, are you really him? And Jesus says, hey, don't be freaked out. Look at the holes in my hands. Come on, worship. Look at the holes in my feet. Because he was prophesying in Psalm 22. I got tripped. But see, the devil doesn't realize it. Well, he was being nailed. The plan was coming into action. Because the very foot that was nailed to the tree will step on the Mount of Olives and split the mountains. Look what it says in Romans. The very foot. I couldn't be more proud of you. I want you to also be smart making sure every good thing is a real thing. Don't be gullible in regard to smooth talking evil. Stay alert like this. And before you know it, God of peace will come down on Satan with both feet, stomping him into the dirt. You know what? You know what the Bible says right there? If I'll give him my feet, the day's going to come. Or the very foot that took my nail is going to come down on the head of Satan. Why'd you preach on feet? What are you going to do with your nail? No, no, that's embarrassing. Colossians 2.14 And having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away. Nailing it. To the cross. Pat! What are you complaining about? Jesus, I'm tired. I've preached every day. I've already done. I've got 24 youth conferences this summer. I'm weary. I miss my babies. I miss my wife. I miss my son. He's at home. We're going to be playing. We could be playing NCAA all night. Is what we do. Pat. On my feet. I said, hey, devil. Nail my hands. Devil. I hope you notice when you nail my hands that their names are engraved on it. Oh, by the way, devil. It's already been prophesied. 
Because as you nail my feet, you don't even realize it. You're allowing Pat's feet to run. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. You're one step away from the call of God. Welcome to experience confidence. Or you simply say, I'll go. Right now, in Honduras, one of the most beautiful young ladies you'll ever meet in your life. You've seen her here. Roberta. She almost quit our school because she went home to visit and one of her friends, they found her hanging in the closet. There and I. She came to me. Just after her dad died. We got an email from her this morning, didn't we? What did she say in the email? What did she say? We installed water tanks all day in houses yesterday because they've been drinking water where the cattle go to the bathroom and the people go to the bathroom in Honduras. And, and then we had a little house meeting where the glory of God came. Perfect. Iowa. Hey, Roberta, what are you doing? Did you quit when your friend committed suicide and hung yourself in closet when grandparents went through parents went through a while did you quit when your dad died suddenly she answered the name and tonight anybody have a nail in their hand would you stand with me when I die Cover my face, please, Karen. You know the man usually goes first to the But leave my feet open. I text Andrew and I said, Can I have a pair of Pastor Monkey's shoes? He said, I'll get them out of his closet. He said, I do. He said, I, I said, I want a pair that he's preached in Africa. I saw a million people say, He said, okay. Not because I'm going to worship somebody's nasty old feet. But I want to hold the shoes that it preached to a million people. I just do. Tomorrow morning, it's your turn to step in these shoes. He said, preach on feet. God, that's not a youth convention message. You got your nail? What are you doing with your nail? That's my nail. Mine's crooked. What are you doing with your nail? Do people even know that you're real for God? He said to me, Pat, you are. 
不知了的。Because he's walking through the temple of the Most High God right now, scars in his feet, but the enemy being paraded. Adam, what are you? We doing your nail? You comfortable with your nail? The train of his road. It fills the temple. Cry out tonight and cried out. Lift your hands and sing it with me. Come on, we're going to be doing it. These feet will take me to the throne. I'm gonna wave at my sister and we'll give her a kiss. I'm gonna wave at my grandmother. I'm gonna give her a big kiss. But I'm running to put my hands when I get to heaven on the feet that took my nail that allowed me to run. And God is saying tonight, Will you be able to run to me? service Karen and I were in and on the way home they were all killed one step away from the anointing from the devil from eternity in the train of his road it fills the temple
every eye shut across this house. If you need God to crucify your flesh, like he said in Colossians, here's your altar call tonight. If you have sin in your life, this is the first people I got to talk to. The Lord said that I had to do this. I don't give a rip if you've been raised in this thing. If you're watching by internet, I'm going to drop the nail on the ground. And if you need that nail to be yours. In other words, you need God to do what it says in Colossians. And nail your sin to the tree. What you doing with your nail? When I drop this nail, if you have sin in your life, every eye shut across this room. If you say, Pat, I got to get clean. I got to get some garbage out of me. I just want God to change me. And I don't want to have to make an excuse for my nail. And if you have sin in your uh, in your life, every eye shut. And you say, I need God to change me. Raise your hand now. Everywhere we go, people raise their hands. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, raise it up. Here's what we're going to do. Every eye shut. Don't look. Train up. Here's your altar call. If you have sin in your life and you need to get free, you're going to hear the sound of the nail being hammered. If you say, I need Jesus Christ to change me, I want you to walk to the front first. Take a step. You're one step away from freedom.